Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 will be beginning verse 21, going down to verse 31, the end of the chapter uh, this morning. Galatians chapter 4, 21 through 31. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up to page 1340 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to. As you're opening there, let me just say another word of gratitude to Cole Jordan uh, for preaching here last Sunday. He put a lot of hard work into that sermon, and you could certainly tell that he did. He's now been with us here on our staff for a year, a whole year. Last Sunday, as I was watching him preach, we had talked about his sermon some during the week. I kind of knew where he was planning to go and did a great open illustration. I thought, man, he's doing such a good job. First point, I thought, man, he's really doing a great job. By the third point, I told Whitney, change the channel. I'm getting nervous. You know, let's, uh, I can't watch any more of this. I don't know if I'll be invited back. Uh, great job, Cole. We're so proud of you. We love you. We're so glad you're here and uh, thankful for you as well, Alicia, and so grateful for all that you guys are doing with our students and our media ministry and other places. We're grateful, grateful, grateful. Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. If you have your Bibles open there, would you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence? For the reading of the words of our God, Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself speaking to us. Beginning verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law or the word? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Let's pray together. O God, would you please open our hearts and our minds today to receive your word. And O God, we pray by your grace that we would be changed by the power of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is prime season. I mean, this is the absolute pinnacle. I think it's the best time of the year for guilt. Nobody's having a better time right now than guilt. You see, everyone's thinking about goals and resolutions and habits and doing better and being more and making 2022 our 
best year yet. We're going to drink a gallon of water every day. We're going to get up early. We're going to do all the things that everyone says we ought to do. Folks are pushing hacks and side hustles and ways to do more, to be more, to live better, to be better. And here you are, plumb off the wagon on January 23rd. It's not even been a month yet. And now, maybe more than ever, with all that we see around us, maybe now more than ever with the bombardment of information and media and all the things we have available at our fingertips at any given moment, you can't so much as pick up your alarm clock, if your alarm clock's like my alarm clock, a phone, without feeling guilty about something by the time you put the thing down. Somebody somewhere is telling you you ought to do more, be more. Maybe it would be as easy as ever to become a slave to the law of productivity or being a perfect mom or earning more, being an alpha dog or a boss babe or having perfect kids or perfect grandkids or earning that scholarship or having the perfect GPA or whatever it is you think you need to be accepted, to be loved, to be seen for who you really know you are on the inside. How easy would it be to become slaves to a law that's not even the law of God? Not to mention the temptation all of us regularly feel. Any of us who live in Christian community to be as Christian as the person next to us. To be as godly as the person that we've looked up to for so long. This morning, I hope that I can point your attention to the joy and the freedom that you can experience as a child of God rather than the slavery and the misery that is the fruit of slavery to the flesh. Slavery to the flesh. Slavery to the law. You see, the law used properly is a good thing, but the law combined with the flesh becomes a law unto itself, no pun intended. And it becomes the end-all, be-all of what we think we ought to be doing. I, I, I hope to morning, this morning these three truths from this text. It's a hard text. It's a difficult text. I know as you are thinking while I was reading it. Don't feel guilty, but you're thinking, what in the world? are we going to talk about today? Glad the songs are good, you know. What else you're thinking? Three truths, I hope this morning from this text, a hard text, but it's a, a beautiful text. Three truths, I think, that will help you flee legalism and live as a child born through promise. Three, three truths that will help you run from the slavery of legalism and embrace the joy and freedom that are there for you as a child, if you belong to Jesus, as a child born through promise. Here's the first point this morning. The first point is this. The law and the flesh lead to slavery. The, the law and the flesh lead to slavery. Paul says this in verse 21, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? Now, Paul's doing a little bit of a pun here. Right? And this is something I think will help you read your Bible. I don't always throw in little points of data like this, but I think it will help you as you read your Bible. Sometimes, in the New Testament, when they use the word law, they're talking about the commandments given to Moses at Mount Sinai. And the first time Paul says law here, I think is what he means, Right? You who want to be back under the law, back under commandments. Those who want to live under the Mosaic covenant of the law. 
do you not listen to the law? The law is also shorthand for the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. So, and then at times, sometimes the whole Old Testament will be referred to as a law, but most of the time he's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. So here Paul is kind of saying, those of you who want to be under the law, don't you read your Bibles? Don't you read your Bibles? Don't you read the, the text? And he goes on. So you want to be under the law, don't you listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham, that is the founder of the Jewish people, the absolute forefather, that that which those who wanted to boast in their flesh would brag about. We are descendants of Abraham. He says, don't you know, O you descendants of Abraham, don't you know that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman? You see, Abraham and his wife Sarah had been promised a seed, a descendant, one who would come from them. I, I think the Bible is tracing out a Messiah through the line of Abraham. I think that's how the people in the Old Testament would have read the Old Testament. They would have seen this one coming from Abraham as the seed of the woman who was promised in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And so when Abraham and Sarah were promised that God would give them a descendant, it sounded beautiful and it sounded wonderful, except for two things. <coughs> One, they were too old to have babies. And number two, Sarah had never had a child before. She, according to the scriptures, was barren. She couldn't have children. Now, if one of those things were true, it sounds impossible. But when it's both, my goodness, what do you expect? And so Abraham and Sarah decided to just sort of take matters into their own hands. And, and, and Sarah provided one of her servants, one of her slaves, to Abraham as a concubine so that he could have a descendant. So, so in other words, Sarah and Abraham were trying to kind of do God's job for him, right? Trying to, trying to provide this heir for him. And so, and so if you read the Old Testament, you read the book of Genesis. I preached through Genesis last year. You might be familiar with this story. But if not, I think that's enough for you to know kind of what Paul's driving out here. But Paul says, the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, shorthand for according to man's will. Right? Sure, he's a descendant of Abraham, but he's really born according to the flesh. He's, that's all he is. That's all he is. He's not according to promise. This is not the child that God promised. This was Abraham's attempt to bring about God's promises. While the son of the free woman, at the end of verse 23, was born through promise. Verse 24, now this may be interpreted allegorically. That is, Paul's saying, as we start to think about what's going on now, we can think about this story as a way, sort of as types or an, an allegory to help serve us in what we're trying to understand right now. This can be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Paul's associating her with the giving of the law in Arabia because she and Ishmael were sent out to Arabia. So Paul's saying, you know, this, she is representative here of the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and she corresponds, listen to what he says, she corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. 
Paul's saying that all those, even those who are descended of Abraham, if they are not united to God by faith through Jesus, that they are just like Ishmael. That being descendants through Isaac makes no difference if you are not clinging to the promise. Do you see what he's saying? There was one slave, one free. Ishmael's born to Hagar according to the flesh. And here we see Paul associating his contemporary Jerusalem with Ishmael, with Hagar. And what's he doing? He's helping them see that the sort of preaching that they're hearing from these Judaizers, these legalists who have come into Galatia are, are preaching a gospel that's no gospel at all. Instead, they're borning a, they are preaching a legalism that is born of the flesh, a legalism that leads to slavery. In other words, who cares who you're descended from? Jesus said it well, didn't he? He could raise up children of Abraham out of these stones if he wanted to. Ishmael's a descendant of Abraham, just like Isaac is. What's the difference in the two? Is it that they're simply descended from Abraham? No, it's that one was born according to promise and the other was born according to works, according to the flesh. You see, what was being preached in Galatia seemed deeper and it seemed more spiritual, almost in the same way that someone can make an argument that what Abraham and Sarah did in giving Hagar to Abraham as a concubine was a means by which they were exhibiting faith, someone might argue, by helping bring about God's promises because God's not doing it quite like we want Him to do it. God's not doing it on the timeline that we wish God would do it on. What seems deeper and more spiritual is actually fleshly and shallower and it leads to slavery. That's what Paul's saying. There's not freedom in this. Maybe some of you are experiencing that sense of slavery right now. Maybe you're living according to the flesh rather than the promise. Maybe you're an unbeliever here and you've, you've never embraced the promises of God for the first time. Maybe you're living only according to the flesh and, and maybe you're living according to the flesh just trying to, to give it everything it wants. Well, no matter what it wants, no matter when it wants it, I'm going to give in to my flesh. Do you have freedom in that? Is that fulfilling you the way that it seems like it would fulfill you? Do you remember years ago when you wished you could live like this? Does your life look the way you thought it would look when, you're just, when you thought that gratifying all the desires of the flesh was the best thing you could do? Of course not. No, and though it may be keeping its promises today, eventually, always, it fails. Others of you may not be giving in to the flesh. You may be fighting the flesh with the flesh. A house divided against itself cannot stand. You need some help from the outside to fight your flesh. But all you've got is rules and laws and you're doing all you can in yourself and you can't quite figure out why you're miserable and why you can't see any victory over sin and why when you look in the mirror, you're what you hate. Despite having all the rules and all the laws and being right on everything, you just can't get right on the inside. That's what legalism does. It leads to slavery. You may be an unbeliever who's trying to fight the flesh with the flesh. Would you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Would you trust Him? You, you may be a believer 
who's, who's living in the flesh rather than the Spirit by trying to be a legalist, by trying to focus on the law rather than on grace-driven, sonship-rooted, adoption-rooted obedience to a God who loves you. Oh, my friends, the flesh and the law lead to slavery. But I want you to remember something. You are born through promise. Or perhaps you can be. If this fits you, you can be. If you don't know Jesus, you can be born, not according to the flesh, but through promise. And that's good news because second of all, the promise leads to freedom. The promise leads to freedom. That's our second point. The promise leads to freedom. This is good news. You're not slaves. You are free. Do you see what the Bible says in verse 26? The Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. Paul is saying then that Sarah is not connected to the earthly Jerusalem, this Jerusalem that you can see that even today has rejected her Messiah, a people who have rejected whom God sent to reconcile them to Himself. They rejected faith in Jesus. In those days and in these days, the same thing is true. But Paul says there's another Jerusalem associated with Sarah, not with Hagar, but with Sarah, a, a Jerusalem of freedom, a heavenly Jerusalem, the Jerusalem we see later in the book of Revelation coming down out of heaven and transforming the world, a city not built with hands, but a city whose foundation is built by God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And the Bible says when you are a citizen of that place, not of the law, not of the flesh, but through the Word and the Spirit and through the regeneration that's given through Jesus, when you are a citizen of that Jerusalem, do you see what he says? It is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, and he quotes, he quotes the prophet Isaiah, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. That is, that those who are born by promise are innumerable. God has made so many, through by grace, through faith, children of God. You have freedom through that birth. My friends, you like Isaac are children of promise. See what the Bible says? Verse 28. You brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. Believer, those of you who trust Jesus, you are a child of God. You belong to Him according to grace. You are His according to to promise. Now think about it for just a moment. Imagine if the only way you belong to God was simply on how good your faith is. Now, I'm not saying it's not by faith. It is by faith. But what if it was only on how good your faith is? Now, I don't know about you. Now, some days my faith is pretty strong. You know? So we have some good days. Some good days like New Year's resolutions. I've got some January 1st faith sometimes. But a lot of the time, I've got January 23rd faith, you know? 
I've got weak faith. I've got declining faith. I've got faith that feels like it can't hold on. Slippery fingers faith. You ever feel like that? What if, what if the only thing making you a child of God was your ability to love God well? Now, some days you wake up in the morning and you think, man, where's that Bible? I'm about to read the cover off that thing. You know? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be flipping pay. I love God. But other days you wake up and your heart is as cold as ice, isn't it? Have you ever been there? You ever been there where you're sore and you're weak and you can't love God? I know you've been there. You know you ought to. Imagine if your love for God is what kept you a Christian. Imagine if your ability to obey God is what kept you a Christian. Now let's not even go there. Because I know we're all struggling to obey God the way we need to obey God. Do you ever do something and as you're doing it you think, I really shouldn't be doing this. But even then, guess what you do? Finish it up. Might as well. We've all been there. What if your ability to obey God was what kept you a child of God. My goodness, who among us would still be here? Who among us would be left? But do you see what the Bible says? You, like Isaac, are children of promise. Do you know what keeps you a child of God? The fact God said that all those who come to Him will in no way be cast out. Do you know what keeps you a child of God? God's ability to keep you a child of God. Do you know what keeps you a child of God? When we are faithless, He is faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. If you were a child born of anything but promise, my friends, you would be hopelessly damned forever. But God holds you and keeps you because He who promised is faithful. Faithful to the end. You have to fight to live according to grace. It's so easy to live according to the flesh. Your own flesh and your own desires. But also there are those who, because of your own flesh and own desires, it's difficult. But there are also those who would want to yoke you with a burden that Jesus has delivered you from. Here Paul prepares his people. You will be persecuted. But just as at that time, verse 29, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted, that is Ishmael, mocked Isaac, the Bible says, persecuted him was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. There's a burden that's constantly being foisted upon us, a burden that Jesus has actually delivered us from, a burden from the world, a persecution from the world to live like the world but also a burden from the religious from the legalist to live like a legalist my friends we don't need any help gratifying leaning in giving in to our flesh and yet there it is we have to fight to live by grace oh remember my friends the law leads to slavery and the promise leads to freedom only by the Spirit, only by grace, only through faith can we know Jesus like we should. The law leads to slavery. The promise leads to freedom. And finally, I want to admonish you, encourage you today. Flee from the slavery of legalism. Run away from, fight, cast out the slavery of legalism. You know what I've noticed? I've thought about this a lot lately. 
From the time I was a little boy, there was a word, there's a scary word in church. I bet you've heard it. You'd hear it about somebody or you'd hear somebody mention they don't want to go there and you start to get a little nervous, start to twitch a little bit. It's called backsliding. Y'all, y'all talk about backsliding? Y'all ever heard about backsliding? You know, where's old so-and-so been? Well, you know, he's backslidden. Backslidden. We're, we're nervous about it. And understandably, we should think a lot about backsliding. It's like the hymn says, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are prone. We are given toward backsliding. But, but, but backsliding tends to be the greatest fear for others and for ourselves. And listen, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher. I've seen it happen. I'm not going to discourage you from thinking and guarding against your heart's growing cold. Thinking about guarding against moral failure. I don't want you to pull away from church. I don't want you to grow numb to sin. I don't want you to get caught up in the world's dealings. I I want you to be careful. But sometimes, sometimes I think we're so busy guarding the back door to keep from sliding back out of it that we forget to watch legalism creeping through the front door. We're so worried about backsliding that we forget that there are problems on the other side of things. You see, we would, we would never take from God's commands. We would never backslide and just start lying anytime we want to lie. But we don't bat an eye when folks add to God's commands. We don't think twice about it. We would never say that someone could be saved through someone other than Jesus. But sometimes, you know, we, nobody's ever going to say, repent and believe on the name of Buddha and you'll be saved. Nobody's going to do that or start giving in to some kind of new age religion or something like that. We're not going to backslide in that way. But sometimes adding to what Jesus has done is okay. Yeah, I mean, I know it's by grace through faith, but you better act right too, just in case. Need a little insurance. We'll bat our eye at that. You know, we would never share the gospel by saying faith plus works. You know, we're trained and think through. We would never do that. How terrible would it be to add works to faith? But maybe some of us secretly judge our friends when they aren't adding certain works to their faith. I don't know. I'll be backsliding. You see, we aren't backsliding. We're judging, doing such a good job of protecting against that. But that doesn't mean we aren't front-sliding. That doesn't mean that we aren't leaning and going in the direction that Paul's arguing equally abandons the gospel. Right? It equally abandons the gospel. Taking from God's commands and adding to God's commands are both ways we leave the gospel. Right? Taking away an imperative for works for Christians is a way that we leave the gospel. But my friends, adding works to what it means to be saved is a way we leave the gospel. Backsliding and front sliding are both errors that take us away from Jesus. Now I want you to see in verse 30 what Paul says. What does the scripture say? Cast out a slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. It's a quote from Sarah in the Old Testament after Ishmael had mocked her son and she said, cast him out. And Paul here is taking this phrase and he's using it for those who are children of promise in Galatia and he's encouraging them here, I believe, and every commentary I've read sees it this way, reads it this way. He's encouraging them here to reject and to cast doubt those who are preaching another gospel of faith plus works, of adding the law 
adding the law to works. It makes it clear in chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke, to a yoke of slavery. See what Paul's saying? Reject a yoke of slavery. Embrace the gospel of grace. And my friends, I want you to know that when Paul is saying that like Sarah demanded that Hagar and Ishmael be removed from the covenant community, so must the Galatian believers cast out the legalistic Judaizers from theirs. Now the reality is we don't have people in our church actively detracting from the gospel in this way, but in the same way that the false teachers who denied the resurrection would have been rejected, so must we reject legalism. So must the Galatians have rejected legalism. My friends, I want you to flee that which enslaves you. Sin enslaves you. Oh, oh, it'll, it'll, it'll trap you so clearly, but so does legalism. I want you to reject anything but the pure gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you see it? Can't you see it? You are not children of slavery. You are not earning God's favor. You are not sort of slinking into the presence of God wondering how He'll act today. You are not being called to live out of the guilt of not being pure, not being good enough, or simply not being enough. No, my friends, you are children of the free woman. You are children of the promise. You are born not of the law. You are not born of the flesh, but you have been born again of the Spirit of the living God. You see it? You've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. You've been bought by His blood. You're not keeping yourself by works, but you are being kept by grace. Would you take joy today? Would you rejoice today in the freedom that you have now precisely because you have been born of promise? Oh, be free precious believers. Oh, be free, you who are trapped and enslaved by sin. Oh, be free, you who are trapped and enslaved by legalism. Jesus stands with arms open wide, ready to welcome you home. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If never for the first time you've trusted in Jesus, oh, what a joy it would be for me to see you put your faith in Him today. You do it right where you are. If you turn from your sins and repentance and Turn to God in faith through Jesus. I believe you will be saved. So right where you are, if you need someone to talk to or to pray with or you just want to do it down front, you just come on. This altar is open and I'll be here waiting on you. So, second of all, second of all, you may be a believer and say, Pastor, I, I've been living like a slave and not like a child of promise. Listen, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. You can pray right where you are. This altar is open for you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I'd like to invite you to come. Let's pray together.